tonight um, to Luke chapter 11 eventually, but I need to review because it's been a couple interruptions since I began this series, and I'm going to try to finish it up tonight, um, but uh, we are uh, very, very rarely do I ever uh, speak about politics. I don't uh, belong to any political party and, and never have, but uh, there's things in the Bible about it, and uh, we should be involved in uh, ways that we can. And so a couple of weeks ago, I began, a, 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 I think, a two-part, <laughs> if I can finish tonight. If not, it'll go to next week. And it's entitled, Biblical Considerations in Political Decisions. Biblical Considerations in Political Decisions. And uh, you and I that are born again, uh, our minds are to be renewed. Uh, The scripture talks about getting saved and then the renewing of our mind. That is the renewing of the way we think. And uh, the Bible does have an effect on us. Um, regarding the way we think about morals and standards and laws and, and so on. And as a result, as it changes the way we think, it's called repentance, where we may have thought something was okay at one time, then we come to know the Lord as our Savior, find out it's not okay. It begins to change our thinking. And that affects our lives, our church and everything, and also Uh, The political realm, our Lord told us in the Sermon on the Mount that we are to be both the salt and the light of the world. You and I as believers in Christ are to be the salt and the light of the world. Salt being a preservative that's supposed to keep the world from rotting. Even Even a righteous remnant is enough in God's eyes uh, to keep a land from being destroyed. And the light of the world, we should be Uh, showing the light or the way that people should walk and talk and listen and and live. And we should not put our light under a bushel basket or hide it under a bed, but put it on a candlestick. And so the Christian is told by Jesus to be very, very open, bearing light uh, in a dark world. And that includes morals and righteousness and things like that. Now, we happen to live in a nation where we uh, can vote, we can write, we can make phone calls, we can send emails, uh, we can contribute to campaigns. Do you realize that's something Jesus never did once in his life, ever? He never went to a, a, a voting booth one time in his life. Uh, but we have that privilege and uh, responsibility, and we should use it. Because it is a means to obey the Lord in being the light and the salt of the earth. So many times we have had troubles in our country uh, morally. And uh, then you find out that not that many Christians or conservatives even vote. Uh, they say, what's the sense? And, uh, and we end up with sometimes those that are not. Uh, righteous in authority. Uh, Psalm thirty-three, twelve says, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Blessed is, I'm sure we all want God to bless our nation. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Now this is reviewing the last, the last lesson. 
Proverbs 19, um, verse 34 says, <clears throat> or maybe it's 14:34. Righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach on any people. We, I'm sure here tonight, if you're here on a Wednesday night, you probably want God to exalt our nation, lift up our nation, not destroy it. But Psalm 9, verse 17 says, The wicked shall be turned into hell, and all the nations that forget God. And so a nation that forgets God has a judgment pronounced on it. They'll be turned into hell. Proverbs 29.2 says, When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when the wicked bear rule, the people mourn. M-O-U-R-N, that's a word we usually think of about around funerals or some loved one dies and we're mourning. Uh, when the wicked bear rule, we're mourning as we see the death of our nation, the slow death uh, of our nation. It causes us to mourn. And so I've been giving you uh, some things out of the scriptures that I think will help guide us in making political decisions and when it comes to uh, uh, times to make choices uh, and who to support, those type things. The first thing I said was maybe a little bit surprising, but that is to be pro-Israel, to be pro-Israel. It says in Proverbs, or rather in Psalms 122 and uh, verse number 6, it says that we should pray for the peace of Jerusalem. They shall prosper that love thee. And we're told that Israel is the apple of God's eye, his chosen people. They're not Christians. There's only 1% of the people in Israel who even profess to be Christians. 99% do not. It has one of the largest percentage of people of all the countries in the world who profess to be atheists. Israel. We know that's all going to change in the future, and God is setting that all up right now uh, for the coming tribulation period when Israel uh, will be saved. But we are told in Zechariah 2, verses 6 through 9, don't ever mess with Israel, and we saw way back in Genesis 12, and verses 1 through 3, a law that God has written since almost the beginning of time. It's about Almost 5,000 years old now where he said, I will bless them that bless thee and I'll curse them that curse thee. And that's, that's been a fact of history. That God has blessed nations that have blessed Israel and cursed nations that have cursed Israel. So those were the first two. I, uh, when I think of somebody maybe who's running for office to represent us, I want to know what he thinks or she thinks about Israel. I want to know what he or she thinks about God's chosen people and uh, what their spirit is towards them. And then second of all, about morals or what we call righteousness and all those verses there that I quoted when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. Righteousness exalteth a nation. Morals matter. Morals matter. We said a couple of weeks ago, they are the guardrails of life. Morals are the guardrails of life. And, and I want to know, uh, what is that person's stance, he or she, on things like abortion, euthanasia? Nowadays, we got things like marijuana and, 
and other things that, you know, are these things that are going to help a nation be more moral, more righteous, or, or immoral, and thus bring the judgment of God upon a nation? Well, I don't, we don't want that, uh, because uh, righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach on any people. So we talked about those things there, and, and uh, there's, there's just... Uh, you know, we, we live in a nation that has uh, been uh, uh, aborting children, for instance, for 50 years now, somewhere around 62 million little boys and girls. And as you're reading through the Bible, uh, there's times where you'll come across a verse that says something like this in Second Kings. It talks about the reign of a king named Manasseh, and it says in 2 Kings 21 and verse 6, and he made his sons pass through the fire and observe times and used enchantments and dealt with familiar spirits and wizards. He wrought much wickedness in the sight of the Lord to uh, provoke him um, to anger. And then it goes on, and it says in verse 16, moreover, Manasseh shed innocent blood very much till he had filled Jerusalem from one end to another. Besides his sin wherewith he made Judah to sin, in doing that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. Now he died and a couple other kings reigned and they were pretty bad. But all of a sudden there came a king named Josiah who led a great revival or reformation in Israel for several decades, but it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough to change God's mind because of the innocent blood that Manasseh had shed, Josiah's revival uh, did not cause God to change his mind. And it tells us in 2 Kings 21, or 24 rather, and verse 4, and, um, and also, well, let me read verse 3. Surely at the commandment of the Lord came this upon Judah to remove them out of his sight. For the sins of Manasseh, according to all that he did, and also for the innocent blood that he shed. For he filled Jerusalem with innocent blood, listen, which the Lord would not pardon. The Lord would not pardon. The shedding of innocent blood is called in Proverbs uh, chapter 6, one of the seven abominations to the Lord. The shedding of innocent blood. And way back in the law, uh, God defined or gave us an example of the shedding of blood in, in Numbers chapter 35 and verse uh, 33. It tells us this, this, was, this was one definition of the shedding of innocent blood uh, according to the Lord. He says, so you shall not pollute the land wherein you are for blood it defiled the land, and the land cannot be cleansed of the blood that it shed therein, but by the blood of him that shed it. And so that was in the law. He said the, the land cannot be cleansed uh, from the blood. Another verse in the law, Deuteronomy 19, and verse number 10. That innocent blood be not shed in thy land, which the Lord God giveth for an inheritance, and so blood 
be upon thee. What a, what a uh, statement there in the law, that innocent blood be not shed upon thee. As the Lord said, that's one, one nationwide sin I don't cleanse. Now, a person can be an individual murderer and get saved and, and be forgiven, but when a land sheds innocent blood, I don't see any biblical basis for God ever forgiving that sin but rather only judging that sin. And man, we've been doing that a long time in this country. And so morals matter. Morals matter. And what, what, they, what they believe about all kinds of moral things, you should examine that. Now, I know there's no perfect candidates. I understand that. Uh, if you, understand, if you, you know, Examine them all in the light of scriptures, we wouldn't vote for any of them. And that's how some people think. I'm not going to vote for anybody because they're not perfect, but I, I don't know. That's where sometimes we differ in opinions. And you got some guy over here and he agrees with you eight out of ten times, and someone over here who disagrees or, or, disagree, or agrees with you zero out of ten times. Some people say, well, I'm not going to vote for him, and this guy gets all the votes. And uh, there's no perfect candidate, so. Well, let's go on now to number three, and that's here in Luke chapter 11, and verses 21 through 22, and that is uh, a strong military. One of the things I always think about is, what is this person's attitude towards the military? Because if you cannot protect your nation, you can forget everything else. You can just forget it. Uh, Jesus said here in Luke 11 and verse number 21, when a strong man armed keepeth his palace, his goods are in peace. But when a stronger than he shall come upon him and overcome him, he taketh from him all his armor, wherein he trusted and divideth the spoils. I want you to notice here, this is a verse that uh, was really brought to my attention early in my ministry in the 1980s because at the time Ronald Reagan was the president of our country and one day he made the statement that he based uh, his military uh, philosophy and his administration on these two verses from the book of Luke. And I said, well, I better look at those. And uh, he built up the military during those eight years of the Reagan administration. And if some of you don't know or you're too young to remember how great those days were, uh, his first term was so successful that when he came up for re-election after four years, he won 49 out of the 50 states. He really did. He won 49 out of the 50 states. And... uh, which is just historic. It's, it's, it's mind-boggling. But people appreciated him building up the military. Because if you, if you don't have a strong military, the Bible says the product of having a strong military here in verse 21 of Luke 11 is peace. When a strong man armed keepeth his palace, his goods are in peace. We don't have peace in our country right now. Uh, we, we, we have natural borders of the Atlantic Ocean, the Pacific Ocean, that helps. Friends to the north in Canada, but boy, the south there, my, oh my, the, the, the numbers of people coming over is like an invasion. There's no other word to describe it. 
and we have things that are killing us coming in from across the southern border, like fentanyl and all these drug cartels and things, and, and criminals, and some of the worst criminals and terrorists are coming across. That doesn't give us peace. That doesn't give anybody peace. But if somebody came along and strengthened that and whatever they had to do, put up a wall or, or put the military there or something like that, we would be more at peace. Uh, and they're, they're talking about even cutting military spending. This is not the time. Uh, if you've ever seen a, a pie chart of the things our country uh, spends money on, uh, mandatory spending it's called, mandatory spending. Uh, about two-thirds of that pie chart is Social Security and, and probably another fourth is Medicare. What we spend on the military is such a sliver of the pie that you, I could even show you the pie chart after church tonight, um, the sliver of the pie is so small that if you really had a real pie, you couldn't cut a sliver that small. And they want to cut that spending. That's not wise. And so I'm always looking for somebody who is going to be strong in their support of the military because that gives us peace. And I want there to be peace and safety and security for my children and for my grandchildren, and you probably do too. Uh, but you got to be armed. Now, Jesus said in the next verse, <coughs> But when a stronger than he shall come upon him and overcome him, listen, he taketh from him all his armor. And boy, we can see um, some of those today that, you know, are, are anti-Second Amendment and they want to disarm very, very good people. Uh, who are not committing any crime, and they're law-abiding. They just want arms to protect their family, to go hunting, uh, those types of things, and, and they want to disarm them, just like Jesus said, that before somebody can take you over, they take away your armor, and so they try to weaken the military and uh, take away the arms of the citizens and then they, be, then they get spoiled. And I don't mean spoiled like a, a kid. I mean uh, they come and take everything away. And boy, that's been the history. You should study the history of disarmament someday. I did that study one time where this nation took away the citizens' arms and this nation and this nation and this nation and this nation. And it was always within five to eight years later, the people were slaughtered. Slaughtered. Uh, but first there was a disarmament. And so we're grateful for the founding fathers of our, our nation having the wisdom uh, to write a second amendment. And I want, to, I want to find out who I'm supporting and if they're, they're for the support of the Second Amendment, strong military. And also now, there, there is things going on in our military uh, today where they're not really disarming the people, but they're weakening the cohesion of the units 
uh, in the military, having men and women training together, uh, basic training. Uh, I went through, the, I was in the Army in 75. We didn't see women anywhere. Uh, but now they're right there. I, we just, I, I know I have a, some of us have a friend who just, a lady girl that went to basic training at Fort Jackson. She just finished two weeks ago. And, but she was right there with all the men. Marching, going through all the drills and the gas chamber and everything else with all the men. Can, boy, anybody with a little common sense would know that it's not really smart to mix guys and men and women together for very long for anything. And then there's the woke culture and the cancel culture and the, the counter culture that's all infiltrated uh, the military and it's, it's weakening the cohesion, and many, many, many of the good soldiers, Marines, airmen, Navy men, are just leaving the military. They're just saying, I don't want to be a part of this anymore. And uh, so there is an attack on our military. In Joel chapter 3 and verse 10, it says, Beat your plowshares into swords, and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say, I am strong. And so that's the day and age in which we live in. We're supposed to beat our plowshares into swords. That's a fighting instrument. And your pruning hooks into spears. I think the prophet's saying, what good are, are having plowshares and pruning hooks if your country's taken over? Uh, build arms. And that's the way America used to be for so long, where we were so strong Nobody would think about messing with us. And that's why we had so much peace. But now it's, we're seeing China arise. That giant's not sleeping anymore. Russia, Pakistan, nuclear weapons, India, and uh, North Korea uh, threatening us. And Oh, my, and there's a lot of uh, communist countries still on earth. Don't think the Cold War ended communism. It's bigger and stronger than it's ever been on the planet today. Uh, there's a lot of propaganda about, oh, communism. No, no, they're strong. There's Muslim nations that, that don't like us. And, and, boy, if there was ever a time when we need to say, hey, what's your stance on the military? It's now. And then last of all, these, these are just some things that would guide me because they're scriptural. They're scriptural. And I, I don't hold to this idea like some people do that say, well, I always vote for this party because my parents always did, my grandparents always did, my great-grandparents. They would roll over in their graves if they knew what happened to their party. And... Uh, it's just, it's just a fact. Republicans are not what Republicans used to be. Democrats are not what Democrats used to be. Liberals are not what liberals used to be. Did you know liberal is a good biblical word? Did you know that? Liberal is a good biblical word. Our church is very, very liberal when it comes to our giving to missionaries. The liberal soul shall be made fat. That's what the scripture says. And uh, that's what liberals used to be. They take your money and just give it away to everybody. But now they've gone way over and 
And, and so it's, it's tough, but there's still some good men and good women out there that are trying. And we should uh, find out who they are and, and, and do the work and investigate and vote. Vote. We can vote. And I believe God in his word tells us to obey those in authority over us. And I don't care who they are in authority over us, whether it's president, the country governor of our state, the county executive, mayor, every one of them without exception tells us to vote. We should obey them. We should obey them if they say, well, I've never heard of a politician of any kind say, don't vote. They all say, vote. We should obey them. Romans 13, 1 through 7 says we should obey uh, those, the powers that be, uh, are ordained of God. And, and, and if they tell us to do something that's not wrong, we should obey them. They tell us to vote. It's one thing we can do. And, and I covered this the last time. Some people say, well, our votes don't count or we're so outnumbered or, or the elections are rigged. And so why should I even vote? Here's why. Because you're going to stand before God today and give an account for everything you do or don't do. That's why. And that's something right you can do. Even if your vote doesn't count, you can say, Lord, I tried to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world that you told me to do. I, I voted, I prayed, First Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, for those that are in authority over us. I have the calendar, some of you do too, of all the political leaders and, that our church gives out, and I go through it every month. I try to pray for them. I pray for them all to be saved because the Lord said, pray for them to be saved. And I even read in my Bible about those in Caesar's household who got saved. And uh, the Lord can work. The heart of the king is in the hands of the Lord. As the rivers of water, he turneth it whithersoever he will. Now the last thing I think about after what do they think about Israel? What do they think about morals? Morals. There's a lot of morals. Today we, we see a lot of like transgenderism and gay rights and all this kind of stuff. Where do they stand on this stuff? Abortion, euthanasia, and so on and so forth. Morals. Do they line up with the scriptures? Line up with the scriptures. Then number three, strong military. And then finally... Uh, do they strengthen the people? Now, what I mean by that is there's a statement in Ezekiel 16, and this is something I look for. In Ezekiel 16 and verse 49, it talks about why God destroyed um, Sodom and Gomorrah. And in verse 49, he said, Behold, this was the iniquity of thy sister Sodom. Pride, number one, fullness of bread. Abundance of idleness was in her and her daughters. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and needy. I want to look at the philosophy behind the candidate of how he or she, what he or she believes is the right way to go about strengthening the hand of the poor and the needy. And history has shown us over the last 150 years, it's not by socialism. 
that does not strengthen the hand of the poor and needy, that weakens the hand of the poor and needy. What is socialism? Well, out of their own words, there's many definitions. Socialism is big government. All right, that's one of their definitions. Big government. You can't take care of yourself. We've got to take care of you. And um, socialism is atheism. That's another one of their definitions. We don't believe in God. We don't need God. We can figure it all out without him. And uh, which is called humanism. And uh, so socialism is atheism. Socialism is communism. Vladimir Lenin said the goal of socialism is communism. And so we don't believe scripturally in communism. We believe in rugged individualism, capitalism, We believe you sink or swim on your own. And we believe in giving a hand up, helping the poor, helping the needy, but as the very old, old, old illustration goes, you can can give them a fish and feed them for a day, or you can teach them how to fish so they can fish for a lifetime and provide for themselves. That's what we believe in. We believe in in, in educating them, helping them get on their feet, helping the poor, giving them. And and, and initially, welfare was a good thing. Initially, it was a good thing. Uh, Somebody's factory closed down. Okay, let's. I remember when I got out of the army, they offered me six weeks of unemployment. Six weeks. I don't know what it is now. Six weeks, and every week you had to come in with a list of six companies you went to and uh, applied to work there for a job, and you have to prove that in writing. And, uh, of course, I didn't. I lasted a week on that. My dad rehired me on the farm, and <clears throat> that was that. I didn't want a handout. I didn't want a handout. People used to be ashamed to take a handout. Uh, I hate to oh, well say this, but people were too proud to take a handout. I can make it on my own. And that's what made America great, that rugged individualism, that entrepreneurial spirit, capitalism. I love what Clarence Thomas said, the, uh, one of the justices on the Supreme Court, he said, the dirty little secret about capitalism is you're on your own. Praise the Lord for honest people like that, but But, you know, the Bible says it makes you feel good about yourself when you're on your own. In Galatians 6 and verse 4, it says, But let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone, and not in another. When a man or woman, they work and and, and, and I understand there's, there's cases of, uh, sincere cases of disability, um, deformities. We understand the accidents happen. We understand all that. And that's where we're glad for a nation that's so charitable we help those people. We're so glad for a nation like that to help those people 
uh, who, who can't uh, work anymore or take care of themselves anymore. And God bless the caretakers of America. We got, we got more caretakers in this country than any nation on earth. What sweet, precious people. And they pray for them. They, they never get a break. Sometimes it goes days and weeks and months where they, we have to, they have to care for somebody. We're so grateful for a, a system like that, for the medical care we have in our country. Um, but we don't believe, the Bible teaches, that we should depend on big government. But we should depend on ourselves and, and family and church. And uh, that uh, we uh, uh, believe God helps those people. In the old days, they used to have a saying, God helps those who help themselves. And there's so much truth in that. When God sees somebody trying, they might not even recognize it, but God comes along and helps them and leaves for them handfuls on purpose. And all kinds of blessings come their way uh, when they, they, just, they just work and, and save and wisely invest. And, and um, they don't depend on big government. Uh, one of the facts of history is that socialism has always failed everywhere it's been tried. It's always failed. And we got so many Venezuelans coming across the southern border now that just 20 years ago lived in the richest country uh, in, in, in South America. And, and then the socialists took over and just buried the place in 20 years, made it one of the poorest People are literally starving over there. They're fleeing for our border to try to get in so they can get some food and health care. And I'm against illegal immigration. You know, I don't think it should be, but, but if they can try to, to come in legally, and we can help them. But it's so sad what's happened to Venezuela and any country that you look at uh, with socialism and communism. And socialism is bloody. It has a bloody history. It's just soaking with Blood, socialism, 135 million people, according to the congressional record in the last century, the 1900s, were slaughtered by those who held to a socialistic, communistic, whatever else it's called, imperialistic, fascist, Nazi, uh, and, and they're all tied together. That has been the bloodiest, the bloodiest, philosophy ever in human history. And they're pumping our children full of this doctrine these days. And our high school students and our college and university students telling them that it's somehow it's going to work in America, and it won't. It won't. Under socialism, the poor always get poorer. And the rich always get poorer. Everybody gets poorer except a few in the government. And so I want to look at that number four. I want to examine a candidate and say, now where does he or she stand in their desire to lift up and minister to the human race? That's what they are. They're called in Romans uh, uh, 13, I think it's three times they're called the ministers of God. Not in the church, in the government. They're called the ministers of God. The ministers of God. And uh, if I would 
if I was ever in politics, I never will be, but if I ever was, I would say, how can I help the people? How can I help the people? Not give them a handout, but let them, get them to stand on their own two feet and, and, and believe in themselves in a good way. That they, they, can, they can do it, they can take care of their family, their kids, and be responsible and be good citizens and, and obey the laws, not be lawless. And so these are some things tonight that I call biblical considerations and political decisions. What do they think about Israel? Where do they stand regarding morals? Where do they stand regarding the military? And where do they stand regarding helping people uh, get, get stronger? All right, let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. <clears throat> Lord, your word says, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. And we know, Lord, that you wrote a book. And there's so much more in it than just what I have <clears throat> talked about. Uh, Lord, but these are some guidelines because I, I hear sometimes people who are born again. And it's, it's unbelievable who they support, uh, who don't let the Bible influence everything they do. And so help those that are here tonight, anybody who ever listens to this message, uh, to realize that every decision we make is, has to be guided by the Word of God and the Holy Spirit. And we're going to be responsible for it. And so, Lord, help us, and we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, let's just uh, sing a verse or two of uh, 781, and uh, then we'll uh, head home. Let me know after service if I can be of any help to you, especially if you're not sure you're saved. If you don't even know what that means, I'd love to talk to you and show you how you can be saved.